Hi, welcome to Managing Well. I'm so excited to have this conversation with psychotherapist Brittany Henderson. She's a psychotherapist at the Ladipo Group and has a wealth of information to share with us about micromanagement. So Brittany, welcome. And uh, please, would love to hear a little bit more about you and the work you do before we get into talking about micromanaging. All right. Thank you so much, Tanya. Uh, yes, my name is Brittany. Uh, I am a queer Black therapist working at the Ladipo Group, and I'm also a dance movement therapist. So a lot of work that I do really works with the mind-body-spirit connection. And something that's very important to me is just creating spaces for Black and Brown folks to feel seen and heard. So some of the things that are really important to me is that we can show up as our authentic selves and also recognizing how not only the weight of the world, but things of that sort can impact our mental yeah. health. So I'm really excited to be here and excited for this work that we are doing. Great. Excited to be in conversation with you. So before we kind of get into it, let's just start with the baseline. So we're all on the same page in terms of what we're talking about when we talk about micromanagement. So when you hear that term micromanagement and you think about it in the workplace, what what does that mean to you? <sighs> it's a lot of, it's a, it's a bundle of nerves. For me, um, as someone who has witnessed micromanaging, and I've also been someone who has micromanaged folks. Um, so for me, it makes me feel a little bit like, is something that I'm doing that adequate? You know, does my boss trust the work that I am doing? Um, and also sometimes feeling insecurities about the work that I am doing. So really recognizing like what leads to micromanaging Mm -hmm. um, why it exists and how mm -hmm. we can overcome micromanaging to build trust within our teams. So I appreciate your point. Um, and I, it's true for, my, for myself as well of having experienced being micromanaged and also having micromanaged other people. Right. And the way you were, you said a bundle of nerves, I kind of envision like just somebody constantly hovering mm -hmm. over you. Right. And it like increases your anxiety and Yes, yeah. absolutely. And when I'm witnessing um, micromanaging, it does feel like someone is hovering over me and it feels like I'm kind of <laughs> condensing. So mm -hmm. I'm taking up less space and I feel less autonomy that way versus if I do have a boss who um, who's in active conversation with me about what is required and there is a trust there and there's questioning of, hey, do you need support rather than this is what you need to do. Have you done this? And it constantly feels like, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> so I, I just want to pull apart the differences. I think I was hearing in the approach and kind of like do's and don'ts, if you will, <laughs> of um, just being given an assignment and then like constantly badgered, I guess, for lack of a better word about like what's going on with this versus a conversation still being assigned the work, but a, a conversation about it. Can you tease that out a little bit more? Yes. So I don't think that micromanaging is quote unquote, something negative or a bad thing. I okay. think it's on the container and the circumstance um, uh, as to why we're using this tool of micromanaging. For instance, you know, um, there might be a supervisor who has a difficult time letting go and feels like control 
And when I have people working under me, that's less control that I have. So that means I need to hover more. Okay, did you do this? Did you finish this project? Is this completed? Did you do your notes? And that can turn into, um, again, this toxic way of micromanaging versus, hey, I'm acknowledging that I have an employee who needs a little bit more support. Maybe there needs to be a conversation. Hey, I recognize that you missed two deadlines. I recognize that you've come in like several times late and there needs to be a conversation had. The the approaches are different because the container is different. So I think there's a level of accountability that we have to take as people who are micromanaging. You know, is there a lack of trust in the people that work under us? Are, do we fear a loss of control? Do we feel inadequate in ourselves as um, people who are leaders or people who are the micromanagers? So there's a lot of different things that can impact our ability to micromanage in a way that is necessary, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, you know, it does. I think I'm as you were talking, I was thinking, and maybe this is, um, I, I was thinking the example you gave of a manager, and I think this is common, like wanting control, especially if um, you've done that job before, right? A lot of times people are promoted into positions of leading teams that they were once a part of, right? So you have a good idea of like how to do the job. And so if there's that sense of like control and, and micromanaging from that perspective, I guess I'm thinking of the the internal feeling and intent of that manager being focused on control. Mm-hmm. And then the other example you gave of of an employee missing deadlines like right so like missing things and i guess the what i the way i was hearing it that didn't seem like micromanagement as much as it seemed like a plan to address like a corrective plan to address things that weren't going well which seemed different than we didn't see that there were problems going on it was just really the manager who was having the the kind of feeling or need to to be controlling so i was kind of teasing that apart in my mind as you were talking. Yeah. And I, again, micromanaging can be this word that like is very uncomfortable. Um, and I, I'm also, I'm also recognizing that with micromanaging with good micromanaging, it is a level of support. So it doesn't feel like you're being micromanaged. It feels like this container is um, filled with support and I have autonomy and this person is acknowledging that something is coming up and also there to say, hey, there's a job that needs to be done. And I'm recognizing that this is something that is not being done. Like, I don't know if it's your mental health. I don't know if something's going on at mm-hmm. work itself. If you feel burnt out, because burnt out, burnout is a huge thing. Um, but again, recognizing all the different things that a person comes with you know, before we just jump in, I'm going to take over this, I'm going to take over this, but what is the fullness of the story here? You give, um, and I have some that come to mind for myself, but can you give any kind of examples um, that you've you've endured on either side yes. <laughs> of the coin? So I, I can first start by me being in a micromanager at one point. So again, me feeling like a loss of control in that space. And for me, I have I have a big issue with perfectionism. Like I wanna always be perfect and I want everything to be, you know, I want my T's to be dotted, I want my I's to be crossed. So if there is someone who I feel is not performing at a level I feel they should be performing at, 
I have a habit of step, uh, stepping in. And again, that comes with me being also type A. Like, I want this to be done this way. I'm organized. And when it's not in the container that I need it to be, that's when I feel like my mind becomes this chaotic space and I start to micromanage. So I had to really do some checks and balances of, okay, Brittany, do you trust your team? Is is trust the issue or is it the fact that you are letting go of the reins and these people are put in these positions? And again, they might not do things the way that you do it, but it doesn't mean that they're not doing their job. So for me, it was, I want things done a certain way. So because I want things done a certain way, I'm going to micromanage you. And feedback that I've gotten is that's not helpful, Brittany. Like you have to recognize that people have different ways that they learn in different ways, different skill sets. Because we're working with multiple personalities and we're working with people who come with um, different learning styles. So as a leader, step taking a step back to realize, you know, what is the root of the, of me micromanaging? Why am I micromanaging? That that self-reflection piece, I think, is so is so important. And and we don't always do it. So I'm curious, and I know it's your field, <laughs> um, but I'm curious, Brittany, what made you step back and think about that for yourself? What allowed you to hear feedback from other people saying this isn't helpful? Because it can be hard to hear feedback and it can be easy to be defensive and dismiss it. And so I'm just really curious to hear from you why you how why and how you were able to take that in and then change your behavior as a result oh that's a really good question and I think for me I had to take a step back and honor those moments where I was um a survivor of micromanagement like I was a person who was enduring the micromanagement micromanagement of a boss that didn't really understand you know the value um, of the work that I did and how how extensive it was. So I, I recall feeling small. I recall mm. feeling like my autonomy was something that was not put at the forefront. And again, I'll be fully transparent. I worked at an inpatient psychiatric facility. Um, and in those spaces, you know, we, we need to push out um, all of the paperwork. It has to be done within 24 hours. So things are piling up. And you're trying to seek support. But again, your boss is also ha- has so much going on. And I recall just not having my, not being heard. Mm. And me feeling that feeling made me think about, oof, these people that are working under me, they're, they're, they're humans outside of the therapist that they are. They're humans outside of the students that they are. So let me actually reflect back and and figure out what's coming up for them. And I think that's what helped me to really put my self in, self in their shoes, being someone who has actively witnessed that and the feeling that comes with it and the burnout that comes with it and, you mm. know, the decline in mental health that also comes with it too. So huge incentives to um, change your behavior, which again, I think it just isn't, it's just not easy. It's just not easy at all. Absolutely. It's really not. Um, My mind is still in your comment about being a perfectionist Mm -hmm. and the anxiety 
I, I put the word anxiety. So you have to correct me if that's not correct. No, that's correct. Okay. Right. Cause when you're a perfectionist, like trying, everything's got to be right, which is an impossible thing to do. And then kind of passing that down to other people. Um, and then the shift to recognizing that there's more than one right way, right. Yes. More than Brittany's right way, more than Tanya's right way. Um, but that there are a couple of different, maybe more, there are a lot of different ways to get something done um, that wouldn't necessarily be your first choice. But if you trust the people on your team, right, then to be able to allow that to happen. Absolutely. And I think, again, I will I will talk a little bit about accountability and the root of why we do what we do. It's not that I was born a perfectionist. Something had to happen in my childhood. Something had to happen in a real life experience to make me feel like I have to always show up as this perfect person. And also, you know, addressing the fact that I am black. I'm a black woman in a predominantly white space at the time. So everyone's looking at me. If I make a mistake, you know, it's amplified. Or again, that's what I'm internalizing as the only person of color, one of the only persons of color in this um, in this organization or this department. So there are a lot of things, there's mm. a lot of things that can be at the root of why we do what we do and I have to recognize that perfectionism is not perfect. Per, being perfect is not a thing. We're human and things are going to happen that kind of throws us off course. So I had to let go of the idea that everything that I do as a leader needs to be perfect and the people working under me needs to see me at my best all the time because no, I feel like there's value in your team also seeing that you're human and that maybe you did make a mistake and that's okay. Uh, thank you for kind of a, a robust, like bringing the expansion, bringing that even fuller and to the, to not just the kind of, I don't even know if I want to call it a personality trait after listening to you explain perfectionism, but like understanding kind of all of the causes, right. That go into how we kind of develop and the some of the very real external pressures too that you have to manage and navigate um, as you're leading a team and and trying to be the best manager that you can be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what are what are you you know you you touched on, but I think if we could just go a little bit deeper into some of the impact that. Um, being micromanaged has on people. You were talking about feeling small um, and unheard, which to me, when I hear that, I feel like I, I think automatically of the concept of belonging, like this need to, like this human need to be heard, to be seen. Um, and so I just would love to hear from you more, like what is the impact on mental health um, from being micromanaged, but also knowing that you're a dance and movement therapist, I feel like I want to hear your expertise with mental health, but like, and beyond, um, of, of what that experience is for us. Absolutely. Um, and again, as movement therapists, I go back to the body and what my body is telling me. And in those moments that I am being micromanaged or there is a hovering over the work that I am doing, my body is having this kind of fight or flight response. Like mm -hmm. I'm freezing up and I'm, and it's making me feel like I can't do my work. Or if I produce something, 
my boss or whoever is over me is going to come, you know, look at my work and, you know, take a fine tooth comb and figure, oh, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And over time, that makes you feel like what you are doing is, is inadequate. And for me at the time, I love the work that I, I did with my clients. That was the best part of the job. Mm. And people don't talk about, again, all of the paperwork that goes into it, the care plans, um, the treatment plans, getting these things in uh, in 24 hours, so much paperwork. And then when you say, hey, this is a lot, it's kind of like, well, you know, insurance needs this or they need you to produce this. So again, feeling like even when I do say something, is that enough? And mm-hmm. over time, burnout, over time, mm-hmm. depression, over time, a mistrust with, you know, people over you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can, cre- it can it can really create like this, this really low morale in mm-hmm. the environment that you are occupying. So you're coming in to a space and you're, it's feeling unsafe because you already are saying, well, why should I do the work anyway? Because if it's going to be, there's so many details that comes into it. And I think that's also something that we have to be mindful of is seeing the big picture outside of minor details. What is the big picture of the things that we're doing? Um, And also recognizing what is coming up for the people who are working under us. I think that's so important as supervisors, as leaders, reflecting and honoring what is coming up for your employees. Because a lot of times, and I, again, I can't speak for everyone else. I can speak from my experience. It is a gaslighting that happens. Mm. And I say what I need, but you're like, oh, well, no, that's not what I said. I said this. But it's like, no, I asked for help. And you said, basically, figure it out on your own. So it, getting the support. it makes you feel small. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that comes up. And every time you get up, I know for me, every time I get up out of bed, I'm, I'm, I'm really dreading going to work. And that's, that's, that's not how I want, you know, to, to, to do. I don't, I don't want to feel that way about something that I, I love so much. Especially something that you love so much. And for people who might not love their job, something that they need, right? Love and need or need. Um, and to your, to your point of, the impact on the individual, like the depression and um, not wanting to get out of bed and the low morale that they bring into the workplace, which then spreads, right? Because usually micromanagers, you know, well, I don't know. I was going to say usually there's not just one person they're micromanaging, but that might not be the case. But like the low morale then spreads and has a huge impact on the team and then possibly the organization as it, if, if that becomes the culture. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it can spread very quickly. You know, I think these are the, um, I feel like these are the, the seemingly small things that happen on a regularly regular and consistent basis that leads to this like undercurrent of muck in mm-hmm. organizations and sometimes small changes, right. Well, will shift it, right? It shifts the culture, it shifts experience, it shifts, oh, maybe Sunday scaries aren't so scary anymore because maybe Monday I'm not going to get criticized for everything I did, but maybe there'll be some praise mixed into it, right? Maybe there'll be some gratitude. 
Um, so I'm curious um, if you have thoughts about um, how how somebody, I'm thinking my own experience, how somebody can shift from being a micromanager to, to not, mm. or to being intentional and in how they're using, um, in, intentional and in how they're managing and overseeing people. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that, that question, um, has so many layers because we micromanage for different reasons. And I think it's important to make space for what might be at the root of that. And that's where the work comes in. And sometimes the work is the most difficult thing that no one wants to do because it's difficult to look at ourselves and, and think that there's something that we're doing wrong and, and, mm. and having the potential to harm the people that work for us. So I, I, I feel like really understanding where does it come from? Is this because I don't trust my the people that work under me? Um, do I feel like they're not qualified? Do I feel from for me, I felt like I was losing control and I needed I needed things done the way I needed it done, not really recognizing or making space for what other people might bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So Which is different. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, different than your point of, you know, you feeling the need to be in control is different than your point of somebody not having the skill set to do the yes. job. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And again, it comes with like that introspection or really taking yourself out of it and doing some reflection as to, ooh, what is happening in my team? Why isn't this going well? Maybe there's a mistrust. Maybe they don't go to you for certain things. Because again, it starts to trickle and trickle and trickle to where it becomes this big thing and this big elephant in the room that no one wants to lift up, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, really figuring out what does my team need? And is my micromanaging harming or contributing to um, the success of my team? So for me, I'm really big on having open, honest, and authentic dialogue within a team. I don't like clicks. I don't like, you know, someone feeling like I did something to them and not coming to me. So I think it's important for people who consider themselves micromanagers to make space mm -hmm. for other opinions outside of your own, because you might be thinking that the micromanaging is a success when someone else is experiencing something totally different. So creating space for dialogue, when you have that dialogue, not sitting on that dialogue, but being proactive in that dialogue, taking action, um, maybe there needs to be a change of behavior, maybe there needs to be a change in approach, and creating space for people to feel autonomy and also make space for challenging because sometimes we do need to continue to challenge when people are having a difficult time or when people are not producing or doing um, the task at hand. So there's space for all of that. How would you, what would you recommend for a manager who just heard you and they think, okay, I want to make space on my team. I wanted to have this conversation. How do I start? <laughs> what do I say? Oh, my goodness. 
I feel like also approaching it because I, I feel like it's it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Okay. And a lot of times in my experience, I've said something or I've I've I said, hey, I need help with this, or something's happening and this is what's contributing to maybe someone micromanaging me is being honest. And mm. it, even if you're not, even if you have a different approach to like open door policy, because I think that's also important. Hey, can my team come to me? Do they trust me? Because if there's no trust, if people feel like they can't come to you, you're going to continue to operate in this place of micromanagement and your team is going to be divided. So yeah. I think it starts by recognizing, okay, is there trust within your team? You know, before I do anything, what is, I got to check the temperature of the space. Are people open to change? Um, are people open to my opinions or what might be my experiences with micromanaging? Also being human, like not being afraid to say, hey, you know, I, I sometimes struggle with giving you all independence because I'm used to being in this position. Or to be honest, I don't know if I can trust that you all are going to do what you need to do because evidence show that in the last couple of weeks you have not met the deadline. So being open and honest, but again, making space for um, authenticity. I love I love that those kind of real concrete examples of like, this is, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> And this is what I'm seeing. And so let's talk about it. Right. And sometimes there's different reasons. Um, but just to I think sometimes we get stuck with how do I start the conversation? And to your point, you just you just say with kindness <laughs> kind of what what you're thinking. Right. What What's on your mind? Um, you know, one of the things and I'll tell you at different points in my career um, when I have been a micromanager at different points. And to your point, it when I think about my career it has happened for different reasons at different times and with different people. Right. So sometimes, you know, the, the easy ones to talk about is sometimes when somebody's not doing their job, like, then you're like, you're on top of them to make sure that they get the job done. Um, and which lessons I have to say I have learned is rather than micromanaging, but kind of setting it up differently so that they can check in with you when things aren't working out right. Right. But that's like one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another way, and this I think is where some of the, the honest conversations come in that you said um, is as especially, especially as like our team has grown um, as I'm in a new role and bringing in people to do things I used to do. It is the, a little bit of control, but also like the bittersweetness of growth, right? Yeah. So like the bittersweetness of like, oh, I have to let this go. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in it because I I I was in it for so long, and maybe there are parts of it I still like being in it, but they can do it really well, and I got to step out. <laughs> um, and so that self reflection piece, like you were saying, of um, you got to kind of understand why you're doing what you're doing. And then to be able to go to your team or person and say, oh, you know what? I realize yeah. I need to step back and I haven't been, and I do trust you. Um, this was just my own growth point that I didn't realize. I love yeah. that. And also like, I appreciate you sharing that, like the bittersweetness of it all. 
um, recognizing that there comes a point in time where we have to let go. And that could be hard, but also making space for growth and development in a different area. So I, I resonated with that because I think that is also the source of why I was micromanaging. It's like, it's, it's bittersweetness. Like, you know, these people are coming in and, and, and occupying a space that I once occupied. And it's like, oh man, like I'm going to miss doing this, you know, the bittersweetness of it all, but also mm-hmm. giving yourself permission to, um, to appreciate your growth and the development that you're going mm-hmm. to achieve Mm -hmm. do you have any lasting words of wisdom of suggestion um as we think about somebody who has a tendency to micromanage or is currently micromanaging um what you might want them to consider doing differently tomorrow Hmm. Something that I just thought about is record giving space for your why. You know, why why do you do the things that you do? Mm. What gets you up in the morning? Really reflecting on what is your why. And also, what is the solution? Like, what do you want to get out of your why? And while also making space for the team, a team does not function with one person. If mm. we function as a whole, so I've i really I'm I'm a person that is really big on um, collective healing, really mm. big on collective growth. I can't grow by myself, and I might need someone to say, "Hey, you know, there's something that you said this day that really rubbed me the wrong way," or "Hey." the way you approach me kind of feels micromanaging. And I'm I'm wondering if we can have a conversation about this. So for micromanagers, you know, giving yourself some grace and also reflecting on what is the root of why you are micromanaging, you know, whether it's trust, whether it's letting go, whether it's control, um, you know, maybe transitioning to a different position that you're not a bad person. I want to also get that straight because when we talk about micromanagers, Mm. We have this really, really negative type of connotation or negative idea of what a micromanager looks like or, you know, their character. But there's a reason why you are micromanaging. So give yourself some grace and also make space for um, a collective type of dialogue that can be healing within the space. So that that's something that I feel could be beneficial for micromanagers. I love that. I love how I I'm just want to stay with it for a moment. I really, Brittany, I love how you humanized what is a human thing to do, right? Which is when we feel out of control, we try and take control. Mm-hmm. And that if we can understand it and be self-reflective, um, that the power people managers have to shift it for not just themselves, but the whole team. Like you were saying, you know, it could be a healing moment, but the way they can shift it is has it, monumental ripple effects. Yeah. 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 On the other side of it, for somebody who's being micromanaged, what would you recommend or have them consider doing tomorrow? Hmm. First reflecting, I would say that 
Um, because to be honest, there have been moments that I have literally acted out of emotion and got really frustrated and it did not turn out well. So do some reflection, take care of your body, recognize what's happening when someone micromanages what's coming up for you. And I, I, I'm, I'm all for, Hey, going to your manager and saying, Hey, like, this is my experiences of you. Someone might not be like that. So whether it's an email, whether it's, you know, you know, going to a colleague, hey, you know, can I talk to you about this? This has been something that's been bothering me. And I'm wondering, what would you do in this situation? Or, mm-hmm. hey, do you feel like you're being micromanaged? You know, maybe there's someone that is dealing with the same thing that you're doing, uh, dealing with or experiencing the same things that you're experiencing. Um, so whatever level of comfort you have with whether it's sending an email, whether it's, hey, can we schedule a time to meet? Uh, just being proactive. And again, not saying sitting in your comfort. Cause I feel like sometimes we got to be uncomfortable in order to get things done, uh-huh. um, but making space for your voice, advocating for yourself and also bringing other people in. If they're having the, maybe the same type of experiences, maybe it's just not, not me, but maybe this is happening as a whole. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. when you go to that micromanager, the person who's micromanaging you, um, don't sugarcoat it, you know, don't minimize how you're feeling. And if, again, if you're not getting support there, maybe there needs to be a level of another additional level of support. If you're, if the supervisor, whoever is micromanaging you, is not hearing you out. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, reminding ourselves to take care of ourselves. And if it's becoming too much, there needs to be a step away. There needs to be a conversation had, um, there needs to be some, some things that we do, some internal work before we can do the physical work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a whole process, but again, giving yourself some grace and making space for your humanity. Cause I think that's the issue is that we feel like we're robots and we have to constantly be producing because we live in a world um, that's rooted in a whole bunch of capitalism. So we internally, um, process that as, oh, I got to be doing this, 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 that, which leads, can lead to perfectionism, in my opinion, um, in my experience. So mm-hmm. space for your humanity and your autonomy mm-hmm. is really important. I appreciate everything you've shared. And as I was listening to you explain from the perspective of somebody who is being micromanaged, I was also thinking that as a people manager, if somebody comes to you tomorrow and says, I want to have a conversation with you about micromanaging, how I'm feeling micromanaged by you, it might not feel good. And I just want to emphasize um, there's already a level of trust there that that person was willing to take the risk and come to you and share it with you. Um, and so sometimes self-reflection starts because somebody says something to us to make us think about it. You know, I had somebody come to me um, on my team and do you trust me? And I was dumbfounded because I did very much trust them. And so I was curious, how could you even think that? Um, And then they gave me some examples, you know, you're second guessing some of the decisions I'm making. And I realized, um, and I went to without their comment, I realized it was, this was my growth moment. Um, I was having trouble letting go. Uh, and so this is not how I would have made, I would have made a different decision. Um, 
or I would have made the decision differently, or I would have made a different decision, which it wasn't to say that their decision was wrong at all. And had they not come to me and said that, um, I really wouldn't have been aware. Um, and I would have kept doing the same thing. And so I think there's just a lot of, um, when somebody is willing to give you feedback uh, about what you're doing, that's not working for them to be able to accept it as um, something that could really um, be beneficial for you and, and the relationship and the team. So I really appreciated kind of everything that you've shared, um, Brittany, and really being able to, I, I think, highlight both sides of micromanagement. So often you, you read articles about all the bad ways you know people micromanage without hearing about why. Right. Um, or what you can do to address it. And so I, I just really appreciated your, your thoughtful approach to all sides of the experience. And I, I also feel like it was very, um, this was really good because again, like I'm still in a healing process of, you know, overcoming that micromanagement piece and, you know, specific trauma that comes from that. So, you know, being able to speak about it and recognize that, hey, this happened to me and I'm someone who is working through that, you know, and making space for myself as a human being. Um, so I really appreciate just this opportunity and being able to shed light on, you know, the whole process of micromanaging and why we might be micromanaging. There's a freedom that comes with speaking what our experience has been and being realizing like, oh, I'm not the only one this has happened to. I'm not the only one who's done this. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom and expertise with us. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really grateful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Managing Well. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about today's episode, go to theladipogroup.com slash podcast for a worksheet on today's episode. A special thanks to my podcast team and the Ladipo Group who supports this show. Managing Well is produced and edited by Black Faves Brand Studio. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo. If you have any questions or topics you want to discuss, email me at managingwellpodcast at theladipogroup.com. 